Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon from GetMealPlans.com. I'm really excited for our topics today, but I'm always excited. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about being gatekeepers, being the nutrition gatekeepers for our family, coming in and out of the vegan plant-based community, especially when you live with omnivores, which I know many of my listeners do, so I'm really excited to talk about that today. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about mental health and how food choices can affect us in so many ways, from the way we feel about ourselves to our mind, our bodies, all of that, but... First, I need to introduce my co-pilot for today's episode. A big welcome to Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming Thank on you the for podcast. Having me. Uh-huh. We are going to totally talk on top of each other. I just feel that energy between us. But yep. for everyone who doesn't know you, maybe you can give us a quick, you know, bio background. I know you used to live in Nebraska. Now you live in Seattle, so that's cool. Maybe you can tell us about that too. Oh, sure. Yeah. About 2010, I got my PhD in physical chemistry and found a job out here in Seattle. So moved my whole family. And at the time, I was an omnivore. My whole family was an omnivore. But I had sort of some, you know, kind of, I would talk to my vegetarian friends and ask them questions. And um, about three and a half years ago, I um, became vegan. I went slowly. I had a, a, um, I, I took a month to not eat any mammals because that was what I thought would be. I don't know. I love you're like such a scientist. You're like, I decided not to eat mammals. (laughs) I love it. You're so (laughs) sciencey. Well, I, you know, cause we're mammals, right? Right, So it makes sense not to eat other mammals. And, um, you know, and I actually have a dairy allergy and an egg allergy. So it was really easy to cut out things that made me feel sick. Mm-hmm. And then um, eventually then went fully vegan. It was really mostly getting the chicken out of my diet. And um, my family stayed omnivores. And I, you know, I became vegan as a, a for an ethical reason. So that kind of becomes a little bit more fraught, I think, than people who choose to go vegan for or, you know, go whole foods plant-based, right? There's a little mm-hmm. bit of a nuanced difference there for health reasons. So yeah, um, then I, we've just been out here. My kids are thriving. I um, initially thought maybe, you know, I like anybody, I wished I'd gone, you know, plant-based maybe when I started grad school, you know, well over a decade ago rather than three years ago, right? Everyone wants to have yeah. done that sooner. <laughs> but, I think uh, everyone says that. Even people who are like 20, they still say it. <laughs> So, yeah. So it would have been nice, but I think it would have been really tough in Nebraska. Now, we mm-hmm. have some um, people in the forums who have mentioned they're from, you know, the Midwest and um, some are pretty local to where I used to live. And they've said it's not been a problem. And I think when I've gone back to visit in the last year or so, you know, everyone's more friendly to it now. So even, you know, in that area, it's it's better, but Seattle's kind of a, a hippie haven, right? So um, there's been there were vegan restaurants here for ages. You know, I think some of them are like I've been here 20 years, and and oh, wow. so there and there's a lot of uh, there's at least one that I know of that can say that. Um, and there's a lot of international cuisine, which I, is super friendly, right? For for um, vegetarians mm-hmm, and, and plant based people. And and you can usually make it. Um, I I have done the no oil, gone to an Asian restaurant or a Mexican restaurant, and just said you know no oil, and I just want veggies and 
you know, maybe some rice or, or you know, something like that. And it's not a problem at all. So it's it's been um, very easy to be vegan here in terms of, you know, in terms of the city and culture. But, you know, sometimes living with the omnivore family, that makes it a little harder. <laughs> and one thing, too, is, as you mentioned, is that you went vegan for ethical reasons. Animal, you know, you cared about the animals. That was a huge you know, moral choice for you. So like you said, that would be different because if someone who's just doing it for health, maybe it wouldn't affect them so emotionally as someone who's doing it for ethical reasons. So what's that like for you to be around people who are eating something that, you know, upsets you inside your heart? You know, it was really hard at first. I guess I don't have really good words for it, but um, it was really hard because I knew that in general, people shouldn't really be eating animals for any number of reasons that we could just probably spend the whole hour listing. Many hours. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, when I wanted to cook for my family, it was difficult because not only had I kind of gotten away from wanting to prepare things like red meat or any meat because I was finding it to be gross, you know, just knowing that they they were eating food that I didn't think was necessarily right to be eaten. But I also kind of kept saying, this is my choice for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and try not to be judgmental of them. And um, I struggled a little bit, especially the first six months, trying to balance that that non-judgment and acceptance of, you know, I had just become vegan, right? So I, you know, who was I right. to say anything? Um, I will tell you and kind of as it, you know, as it hurt my heart more and more and I was feeling bad because I wasn't quote unquote converting them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was, I can't remember where I heard this one, but it was basically like generally you're not going to, you know, quote unquote convert your closest loved ones. Like, in general, that's not what happens, right? And uh, then I read Eat and Run by Scott Juris. And in it, he talks about going to care for his mother, who is an omnivore. And, you know, he's kind of a well-known um, vegan runner. And just, you know, he made her her favorite foods, which contained, you know, all sorts of animals' products because he loved her, mm-hmm. right? And so... You know, I kind of took that to heart because, you know, I love my family mm-hmm. and my ethics are not necessarily their ethics. And ethics is a big philosophy anyways. Right. So trying, you know, you just need to accept them where they're at and maybe eventually they'll come along for the ride. And so that was kind of where I had to leave it. And I've done a lot better since I made that acceptance. Um, I kind of have a funny story, or I don't know, it's funny, actually. I have a story about that for another woman. When I went to um, chaperone a band camp for my kids, they're in a marching band in high school, and uh, or it was a band retreat. And some of the other chaperones, we all went to dinner on the bus ride to the retreat location, and we went to, I can't remember what kind of restaurant, but basically, I you know, they had a a vegetarian pho or something like that. And I just, you know, clarified not to put any eggs in it because I think eggs were an option you could put in okay. or something. Mm-hmm. And so then the, the group was like, oh, you're vegan? <laughs> it's a whole conversation topic. And one of the chaperones said to me that she'd gone vegan. And I was like, oh, that's really cool as she'd ordered some, you know, pork or whatever. 
And um, she said, but she, you know, she did it because she was so concerned about the animals and her husband got very upset at her and said she either needed to start eating meat or, or like get a divorce. And I'm sure what? she was being hyperbolic, but wow. yeah, I was like, yeah. And she said, because she was so concerned about the animals, you know, she kind of became obnoxious about it. Right. And I thought, you know, that's probably very easy to do. And I might, I might've done it myself. My family just might be a little more tolerant. You know, so and, and it's very possible that was very, you know, hyperbolic on her point, um, because they did say, does your family eat meat? And I said, yes. And they said, and how is that? And I'm like, well, we just all get along. You know, you do what you have to do. I mean, we're like vegan shelf in the refrigerator and freezer. And uh, so only things that I would eat go in those shelves. Now, granted, some of those things might be. Um, oh, what are some of the sh- things on the shelves? <laughs> you're like I don't know. Well, right, now like. stuff full of, <laughs> uh, right now there's stuff full of mulanta. Like all the frozen um, veggies go on my shelf, right? Or on the on the because then I'm gonna you know I would eat frozen veggies and and you know we often serve a frozen veggie as a side, you know during dinner time. Um, but all the ice cream um, goes on the bottom shelf because I don't eat. Um, I don't usually have any like the vegan ice cream in the house anyway. So almost all the ice cream is, is dairy and it's mostly my daughter who eats it. And, and that just goes on a different shelf, you know, so it's, you know, kind of the things we do, but I still have to cook on all the same cookware and we just clean it, you know? And so sometimes people get kind of, well, you're not really vegan if, but you know, you do your best. I know. And I'm like, like, where I do you live? Who your... do you live with? Because I don't live in your reality. <laughs> I wish I did. But... Yeah. Well, and I think that's um, you know part of like do the best you can in progress, not perfection. Because you know this is where I can be at, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. And I really appreciate it. It's funny. I've never shared this ever. I've never said it out loud. And I don't even think I've said it even to my husband, but I could hear when you were talking like your heavy heart, like how, even though you've come to this place, you know, it's still something that's so emotional for you. And so I'm going to share what was really emotional for me was by the time I became the happy herbivore and I had basically become the person I am now, my husband was already plant-based, but initially my parents weren't. And I actually did sometimes get this impression that people thought I was a fraud because I hadn't converted the rest of my family. Like I wasn't enough. And it may have even just been my own insecurity or my own heavy heart. But I I mean, I don't know if anyone ever said that to me, like to my face, like you're not good enough because your parents eat meat. But I really did feel when they went plant-based, I mean, I was elated for so many reasons. Number one being my parents' health. Um, my father had had a right. heart attack. But I can remember being like, I feel like my stock went up in the vegan community <laughs> because yeah, my yeah. family came on board and I'm like, I shouldn't feel this way. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think that it's great to be happy, though, that 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 they're doing so much better, right? And they're well, living yeah, and a lifestyle that you think is it. healthier and better for all sorts of reasons. And I mean, there was a long time where I was like, what if they quit? What if they quit? But fortunately, you know, it all <laughs> sh- it shook out for the best. But I mean, I mean, man, I was so 
Because I did. I always felt so judged. It might have all just been in my head. But when I was hearing you talk, I'm like, that's how I feel it. I feel the way she felt deep inside herself. And the other thing you talked about with your friend who was being very pragmatic, I think that happens to a lot of people. I was a total, I say the word evangelical, which I know some people don't like, but I really was that way. I was super pushy. And what it was is I was so shocked. And then I was so so moved and I was, you know, highly motivated for ethical reasons like you. And so I was sending those slaughterhouse PETA videos to everyone I knew. And I mean, friends were dropping like flies. And in retrospect, now I see why that might have been a little aggressive and not welcomed. But at the time, I was just like, you have to know. Clearly, you have to know. You want to know. Don't you want to (gasps) know? I know. Well, for me, I personally can't stand to watch those videos, so I don't send them to anybody else. Like, they make me too sad. Yeah, oh, I know. I still haven't seen Earthlings, which, of course, I feel like I get judged for that. But I'm like, guys, I know. I know. I don't need to see it. I will not sleep, and I will cry for days. Oh, and I thought, like, the community a few years ago, I think, when it first came out, was so over the moon about it. And I heard all these positive things. I was like, well, I'll have to cue that up. And then finally, like, it was six months or something. It was months and months and months because I'm very slow to watch these things. So I didn't hang on to it. And then suddenly somebody told me a scene in it that you'll never be able to unsee. And I was like, I can't unsee now the image in my head that you just put in there. That's a scene in that movie. I haven't even seen the movie. And I'm like, I can't watch that. Why do you all think it's so awesome? Well, that's what happened with me too. As I kept hearing about how great it was, and I was like, you, I'm so slow to the uptake that I was like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then some of my friends told me sort of graphic things they'd seen, and I was like, oh, nope, 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 nope. I I already know. I know the horrors. I don't need a visual. Right. I'm already vegan, so I don't really need to to keep on with that. And I have heard people say that, you know, know, there are some people who said, well, we're vegans, but it's part of our duty to, like, watch these things. And I was like, well, if you can take it, that's great, but I can't. I really can't. Like, it's just something that really is, is too much for me. And in terms of, like, then with my family... You know, we do our, I do my best to kind of reduce meat consumption in the house as much as possible. Since we were married, my husband and I did meatless Mondays, mostly because when we were first married, we were um, on a very tight budget. So meatless Mondays was a great way to help with that. So that, you know, was one thing. And then when we moved to Seattle, I'm going to offend a whole bunch of people. The meat here is really awful anyways. Like, if really? they don't know how to cook it. Yeah, oh. it's just not good. <laughs> And I was like, well, it's not worth eating, so why eat it? Yeah, I've, I've only been to Seattle twice, but I was already vegan on both of my visits, so I did not have that experience. And my friends that I was visiting are vegetarians and have been their whole okay. life, so they could, they didn't tell me that either because they, I guess they wouldn't know. But I guess it's true. I, I, you don't really think of Seattle as a place for any specific meat or even, I guess they have a big seafood market there, though. Yeah, Dungeness crab and salmon's a big thing here. Maybe that's the where they, about they fail the, in the meat because they have the fish. <laughs> right. Well, and I was in beef country right next to pork country, right? So that's they really true. know how Be- to handle their Yes, you their probably had high fish. expectations being from Nebraska. <laughs> now that you exactly. mentioned that. The thing about the salmon, though, which really kind of sort of kicked me over on fish was so I, you know, it was really easy to not, I, I think I actually had kind of stopped eating fish before I even started really thinking about not eating animals in general was, you know, 
when you start to try to do the whole ethical and humane thing and buy your salmon that hasn't been in, in schools and stuff. And uh, a friend of mine who's a scientist, he's a oceanographer. He, or oceanographer. Oh, now I'm getting it completely wrong. Anyways, um, you know, he works with fish. I know, he works with fish. <laughs> <laughs> He's a scientist who works with fish. I'm I'm being a bad scientist because I can't remember what, what his name is. or what, I know his name, but what his uh, um, particular um, field is called. But he says there's no way to actually trace whether, you know, that fresh, uh, what's it called, that wild-caught salmon is really wild or not, because they all are the same. Like, you can't DNA test them. You can't do any tracing. There's no way to trace them. So whether something, it'll say wild-caught, but it might not be, because it'll sell for a higher price, or that's what people want. And I thought, yeah, well, how can I? And then, well, as the fish schools or the wild-caught, which is actually better environmentally, you know, so it becomes a whole mess. So that was one thing, too, that was was interesting to me to learn. And I do a lot of my... Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I do a lot of my decision-making based upon, like, the science studies that I can read and get my hands on, so... So while you were talking, I had to look up the study of fish, and it's a word I can't even pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... Is it ichthyology? Yeah, it's ichthyology, yeah. I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to say this. It yeah, what like you said, ichiology. you looked it up and it was a weird word, I remembered. I'm like, ichiology, well, I'm going to remember this forever now, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know this is yeah. going to bother her, it's going to bother her the rest of the podcast. Let me just look it up for her, and now I'm like, bad choice. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, You'll okay. have a rabbit hole later to look at. Yeah. But, um, and everybody, you're going to have to, after the podcast, we're going to test you on the spelling, so <laughs> go learn it. Um, but one thing I liked that you said that you have, even though your family's not 100% on board like you are, you have reduced meat consumption in the house. And that's one thing that I'm always telling other members, especially because a lot of the members are mothers, and so they're the ones who tend to be doing most of the grocery shopping, not to be sexist, but let's face it, typically... It's the mom that's doing the grocery shopping. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I mean, husbands tend to pick things up here and there too. And there's a lot. We have stay-at-home dads in the forum, so I want to give them some love. But generally speaking, the woman happens to be the nutritional gatekeeper. And so there are a lot of things that you can do um, just by what you're choosing to bring in and out of the house. And I know that's really important to you, especially as a scientist, because you follow so many of these studies about so many of the, you know, speaking of icky, icky ingredients. So maybe you could talk about that. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I am blessed with is my husband's actually been a good 50% partner all along. So in the very par- early part of our marriage, when I, we had very little kids and I stayed home with them, I did do, you know, most of the cooking. So I cooked weeknights and he cooked weekends, but we both really enjoyed cooking. And um, at a certain point when we were both working, it was 50-50, actually. We did it half and half. Wow. Um, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, this might impress even more. My work schedule is pretty bad, as I uh, I think I mentioned before the podcast. Again, I had to make sure I got home in time to eat before we talked mm-hmm. um, because I get home pretty late from work, and if I'm not really careful about that. And so it's well past when the kids really need to eat. They're teenagers now, but teenagers are like they, – they, they're like trains. They just constantly have to be fed to keep going. <laughs> that is very and, true. <laughs> so – 
you know, so he actually feeds them dinner most weeknights, and then I cook for them on the weekends. I cook for the family on the weekends. So he actually is doing whatever that fraction is, you know, five-sevenths of the cooking, and I'm only doing two-sevenths, you know. So um, that's something. And so we actually do our grocery shopping together. First of all, it splits the time in half to do that. And it's funny to look at our baskets, though, because you can totally (laughs) tell, like, healthy mom and then, like, fun-loving dad. I don't even know what to call it. I don't want to be, you know, I I don't want to be. I think a lot of people can relate to that. (laughs) I don't even have children, and that's kind of what it looks like when I let my husband come to the store with me. (laughs) Yeah. I had to joke this last time because I had only meal mentor items in my basket and then additional fruits because I'm in charge of like the produce area. And so I buy like a lot of fruit for the kids and I and, and my husband. He he kind of does his own food gatekeeping. I don't worry too much about him because he's a grown adult and can make his own decisions. And then he had found, I guess, sales on some of these cuts of meat. And so there was like a bunch of meat in there that he wouldn't even have normally gotten. And like five bags of potato chips, which, by the way, are my downfall. Um, I haven't had, no, I'm so proud. I haven't had a potato chip since I started the meal mentor plans. Wow. Way to go. (laughs) Because I have to know if I have a potato chip, that would be a bag of potato chips. Amen. I'm the same way, sister. Same way with a lot of things, not just potato chips, pretzels, dehydrated mango that always seems to come up on every podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think there's a lot of us on the farms have mentioned our issues with potato chips, but um, yeah, so it was just really funny to me, and I can't remember what else he had, but he also does the the dairy section, which gets that's where we get our almond milk. So he also had like three things of almond milk because we go through a lot of almond milk. So you know, we drink almond milk as a family. That's what we have. I have some silk chocolate milk because I think one of the breakfast recipes I called for some chocolate milk. We have like that in the fridge. So, you know, you, I do what I can. I make the meal mentor meals. I pick two family. I, I cook mostly individual ones for me during the week because I'm cooking well past when they've all had dinner. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't really get around to like batch, prep, um, batch cooking I'd like to do. But And I actually did something very similar years and years ago where I cooked most of the meals on Sunday and then froze them or put them in the fridge depending I did that. And I, so I, I love the idea, but right now it's not working for me so well. But in any case, I do the individual cooking on weeknights. And then I love that then I have leftovers to bring to work for lunch. That was what I was just going to ask you, because everything serves too. Do you just take the second half for lunch? But that's you answered my question. Now, <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. And some of them only serve one, but I usually have enough leftovers um, from doing like the family plan. So I'll pick two family ones on the weekends to serve. And because then, um, like this weekend, they did the Indonesian stir fry noodles. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, they said, can we have some chicken on the side? So I went ahead and made extra of your sauce, of the sauce. And I just cut a chicken breast and we just one, then split among, you know, three people. And also, you know, and like fried it up in a different pan away from the pan with everything else. So there's no contamination. <laughs> right. That kind of gross me out. And then I serve that up on a dish for them. And then the, the uh, Indonesian noodles on their own thing. And then I, you know, served everybody some and 
that was, and it was funny because I took my helping and I was like, I don't think this is as much as I'm supposed to get. And they're like, that looks like way more than you should get. (laughs) I should get a whole quarter of this. And they're like, that's not even a quarter. So they were really impressed by that. But then that means that they ate mostly a very um, healthy, whole food plant-based meal with, you know, just the minimal amount of, of meat that I could, you know, kind of get them to eat. So. And a lot of members do that. A lot of members like yourself live in these mixed households where their kids maybe put cheese or, you know, a a meat on the side. And I actually, one of my oldest and closest friends, she's also a vegan for ethical reasons, but uh, due to some personal things in her life, she's had to move in with her brother and his wife and their children. And they're all omnivores. And she's respects that she's in their home and she respects that about them like you said adults they make their own decisions but the problem is she is required to do sort of like all of the cooking and cleaning like that's how she's contributing to the household right now and she's like I don't know what I'm gonna do she's like I don't want to cook me I don't even think I know how it's been 10 years and the last thing I want to do is poison my brother his wife and their children and so we came up with yeah right she's like I just don't know what to do but it's my job this is my job and I was like I get it so we um we figured what she could do was she could go and buy a rotisserie chicken at Mm -hmm. the local health store or whatever the grocery store and that's what she's been doing is she cooks the family planned meals and then every night (laughs) brings out the chicken and they take whatever amount of chicken each of them wants puts it on their plate but otherwise like you said they're eating these healthy meals and her brother's family were previously like let's order dominoes let's pick up kfc buckets on the way home so their health is like massively yeah it's amazing their health all of them even the kids everyone's just improving so well and everyone's happy yeah well and I'll tell you you know my kids were tweens I guess is the the stage you know like that 10 to Mm -hmm. 12 13 age when I first went vegan and uh like I said my husband and I like to cook and so I immediately went to all the vegan food blogs and started making the the kind of the nice things you know so I was I started out actually quite healthy as a vegan because I was used to actually being quite you know quite healthy as an omnivore in terms of my cooking you know as given the obviously vast differences in health levels there but you know I also would bake the cookies or whatever and you know the kids just loved all of it but then for me, I ended up very stressed out with work and whatnot. And I slowly, as my husband was doing most of the, most of the cooking, you know, devolved into like vegan junk food, um, which is one reason I found meal mentor. Cause I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I'm too stressed out to like go back to the way I was doing it, where I planned out my meals and made my own grocery list. So this has been extremely helpful for, oh, I'm glad for to me hear and that. my stress level. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, now I'm, I'm back to, cooking better for the kids because quite frankly I was sort of not really doing that great on the weekends when it was my turn to cook they're having a lot of spaghetti right yeah um but what has happened as they've become teenagers is we can start to have conversations about it that are actually you know like thoughtful and less me telling them things and more of them asking me and me being able to give them answers that they can receive right now Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot like you said, you're sending those videos to your friends. Well, they weren't ready to receive that message. Right. right? That was so like the other night I was watching Forks Over Knives <laughs> a few years later to every party. You, oh my and, gosh, you are so uh, late I, on that one. <laughs> 
it's uh, it's an interesting experience. Those the different like the, dealing with the nutrition of different kids, what they want and will and will not eat and stuff. So. And it's so funny to me because I see it happen. I, I see uh, teenagers who are vegan or vegetarian getting all of the questions too. And it, I was a vegetarian and I don't remember anyone ever asking these things. I do remember kind of getting kind of teased by some of the other kids, especially the boys. But I think that was just their, you know, teenage way of flirting with me. But I don't remember people asking me like, well, where do you get your protein and stuff like that? But it's all the time now. So there definitely must have been some kind of shift somewhere with all of our mainstream obsession of protein uh, to hear kids asking other kids about it but I hear it too here especially here in California I hear it all the time um because I kind of like you know eavesdrop when I'm at the food court at the mall <laughs> yeah uh, I know I didn't even grow I grew up omnivore obviously and you know the main focus of all our meals was the what would be considered a side now the mm-hmm. vegetables and the starches and then the meat was a small portion if we had it and that was actually um I think I'm really only a little bit older than you. You had said your your age a few podcasts back or something, and I'm kind of a young mom. Um, I had my kids, like, right out of college. So, you know, but even further back than, like, our childhood, you know, meat was a, a rare thing, not a super common thing, right, mm-hmm. in terms of meals, even for omnivores. So if you kind of follow the history of that. So I think you're right. I think, I think there was... At some point recently, this whole obsession with with protein and protein only being from meat and that sort of thing. So I think you make a good point too. Yeah, I think you're my, right on that. My family's definitely was very meat and potatoes, and you know, my mom did like shake and bake and all that stuff because I grew up in the '80s and '90s, but. I do think that our food, meat was definitely not as prominent as I think it is in a lot of, like we never ate fast food, like maybe on long car rides, we would stop at like a McDonald's, but we really didn't eat at restaurants and we really didn't eat a lot of fast food. Pizza was kind of reserved for sleepovers or birthdays, but even then I feel like there wasn't that much meat in our lives. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, and we, like you're talking about, you know, we packed all our meals for our road trips and we've mostly road tripped. We didn't fly a lot of places. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, so we'd pack all our meals when I was growing up and uh, I had one more thought on that. Oh, pizza. Yeah, pizza. You know, yeah, pizza was like, yeah, like you said, a birthday or special thing. Yeah, it was only like birthday parties or sleepovers that, and maybe not even then. If it was only one girl from class sleeping over, we ate dinner with my parents yeah, like now, normal, it had to be a party. Exactly. Now it's pizza like every Friday night or whatever. I think there's some benefit in that pizzas have become more interesting though. So I, even when I was an omnivore, I tended to order these veggie pizzas because I could, you know, because it was really interesting to have broccoli on there, not Mm -hmm. chicken or pepperonis. That's at least the benefit. Yeah, pizzas all the time. So it's definitely we've changed the way we're eating now. Um, So hopefully more people will see the benefits of like the whole foods plant-based because I think, you know, we just can't stay on this, this um, path really, you know, as a human race, but even just Americans that are sad. Yeah, it really is surprising. And I'm hoping later this season, a friend of mine can come on who sort of studies the environmental consequences of the standard American diet. And there's so many books like um, Eating Animals, for example, that covers it. But I just really want to have her on. Because as you said, there's just so many ways 
And, and when I was writing the guide, I realized this. It wasn't even just like the animals or our health, but I mean, it's just massively destructive to the earth and the air. And there's all sorts of human rights. I didn't realize quite how bad it was for humans, like the human immigrant employees who work in these things. Like some people work 18 hours every single day with no break. I just, it's, it's yeah. such a, it really is a truly horrid industry on every level. I agree. Yeah, that and that was a real big push for me to go vegan was how horrible the agricultural industry is. And when I would give that reason, people really can't argue against that. And there was enough, like there was a book called Fast Food Nation, I want to say. I think that was a documentary was called, too. Maybe it's way down on your Netflix list. Okay, well, there was a book I read. And I, I maybe the, it's a documentary based on the book and then supersize me. But basically, um, you know, it, it does talk a lot about the the, the supersize me was more about McDonald's. But I think it had a lot to say about the agricultural industry. But this book I read also talked a lot about that. I would be I'm really interested then to hear what your um, friend who talks about the environmental impact, because I read some of the things, um, but it's hard for me to to pinpoint, you know, sometimes, like you said, there's judging in the in the vegan community, and they're also sometimes hyperbolize, and it's hard to always pinpoint what's true and what's just a hyperbole. That'll be really cool to hear um, that podcast if you can get um, your friend. Yeah, on. I'm, she's so busy with research, but I'm hoping to get her on, and it really is. And there are, like I said, there's a lot of books. Um, I always say his name wrong. Openlander has written two amazing books. Uh, Comfortably Unaware was his first one. All of It's just mind-blowing in terms of the environmental consequences. But there are so many reasons. And when people ask me, why are you vegan? Why are you plant-based? I'm like, well, how long do you have? Because <laughs> as we mentioned already, oh, yeah. we could talk for hours about the compelling reasons. We could. Well, and that, you know, going back to that conversation I had with the women, you know, after we went to dinner, they, they did want to talk to me about, like, why I was vegan. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know you. <laughs> and I, this can be a contentious issue. And so I, you know, try to be as circumspect as possible in those situations. But, you know, the next big crisis in terms of resources is going to be water mm-hmm. and agriculture in the meat industry part is consumes so much more water than um, the, you know, than if we were just mostly or all vegetarian. So, you know, that's always something I think about too. Yeah. I, one of my most favorite things that I say, and I'm actually quoting John Denver um, is that if we all went vegetarian, we would cure world hunger overnight. And um, that's something that always has stayed with me. And it's definitely true about water too. And of course, because I live in California where we've been in a drought and it's it's really bad. And so I see it firsthand and um, I'm aware of it every minute of every day. I, I drive by where the river is supposed to be and there's no river. But it's it's funny that you brought up the mixed company because my husband's best friend is an omnivore and he's he's very supportive. He loves my food. He comes over for dinner all the time. And even when we go out to eat, he tends to order vegan. And I'm always like, you don't have to do that. And he's like, no, I want to. But about a year ago, he came over and was like, you guys can't call yourselves environmentalists anymore. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, you have almond milk 
in your fridge. And he went into this long song and dance about how much water almonds used and it was so like this or whatever. And I, I wasn't discounting that it wasn't true, but I'm thinking, surely it can't be worse than meat. Yeah, somebody hit me with that saying, do you know how much water almonds are using for your, you know, your almond snack and your almond milk. And I was like, seriously? Yeah. And so I ended up sending him, I ended up going back (laughs) to my evangelical ways and sending him like tons of documents and studies to show him that it was like, it paled in comparison. And I was like, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. But I knew you'd appreciate that. Um, and that's one thing also that I've really enjoyed with like listening to the past podcasts is, um, is that you also are very interested in studies and what studies have to say and not so much, you know, the, the hyperbole and the, in the various stuff. So it's, um, so I, I also really enjoy that from, from the, you know, Mill Mentor, the Happy Herbivore group. Oh, yes. Thank you. And I actually, I think by the time your episode airs, it will already be live. So I can tell you, but I actually in a two weeks have a research podcast coming out. And so every week, there will be another podcast where I'm specifically just talking about the latest research that really supports our way of life. And so I know being a scientist, you will be one of my listeners. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So I think, yeah. It's April, so I always record these episodes in advance because I just never know what's going to happen with uh, the internet or technology or my schedule. But anyway, so that's oh, certainly yeah. Uh, one thing that you had said about it was about your daughter actually when you were saying like forks. She you she was coming in and out while you were watching Forks Over Knives, but you said this one sentence that I thought was so beautiful about being ready to receive it and how initially you know my friends weren't ready to receive it, your friends, and I think that's so incredibly profound and true is that just because we are ready doesn't mean others are and even though we really really want to share sometimes they're still not ready and I've I've experienced this in a lot of different things in my life I practice yoga and one day my teacher said something and I ran up to her after class and I was like oh my gosh that tip about the foot totally changed everything I felt it it was great you should give that tip in every single class and she puts her hand on my shoulder and she says, Lindsay, I do. But you just weren't ready to hear it yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in terms of like my children, you know, they, they have years ahead of them. They'll go to college and they'll do various exploring of things that people do in college and maybe eating more plant-based, you know, they'll be like, well, my mom does that. Mm-hmm. And you know, so there's that. And um, I expect to have a lot of years left with my husband. So, you know, maybe eventually he'll come to my side of the road a little more, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's giving them the time to to process and receive. Yeah, because everyone does it on a different level. And, and sometimes you have to give the message a bunch and you have to give it a lot of different ways, you know. So. And that's really true. It, we all hear things differently. We see things different. And sometimes it doesn't compute. You have to try it again. And I see that even in the forums with uh, advice going between different members is it's just somehow someone gives the right example or says it the right way and it clicks for that person. Like, for example, this week we got on this dialogue about tortillas and crackers, and it was an amazing conversation. And so many people just saw things just 
by the way other people were phrasing it they were like oh I get that or oh that makes so much sense and you know I might have said it a hundred times but they just needed to hear it phrased in a different way to make sense and so it's beautiful yeah, yeah and that's exposure hearing the message from many voices and that's why I get weird when I people can get so competitive in any kind of space. I'm like, no, we need lots of voices in the vegan and plant-based community so that there is a voice that resonates with everyone because not everyone's going to like me or relate to me, but maybe they're going to get totally on board with a firefighter triathlete like Rip. You know, you just never know. Like maybe they need a dude to talk to another dude. I don't know. But lots of voices right. for the same message. Well, sometimes too you outgrow a voice. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to find new ones. I think that happened with me. Some of the people who were most influential at the time I went vegan, I kind of outgrew them. Like their message wasn't, you know, something I needed to keep hearing. So then I moved on. So, you know, I think that that's really important because, too, you'll have new people and, you know, and, and members who have been there a long time and you'll get kind of recirculating of the messages and and maybe sometimes uh, um, people have been there a long time. They they need the new members who have a new perspective. Right. And that's so. interesting, too, because a lot of times when we have annual sales and new members come in, a lot of people really appreciate it because it reminds them how far they've come or it gives them a chance to relearn things. And I think that's true. I mean, I started in beginner yoga classes and I always come back to yoga as my examples, but I had I outgrew them, like you said. And it wasn't that I didn't love that yoga class and that yoga teacher, but it was my time to move on to something different. Yeah. Yeah. The one last yeah. thing I definitely wanted to talk about was mental health because I love any okay. opportunity to talk about it because it is not shame. And so anytime I can bring it up on this podcast, I can. And so I'm glad you want to talk about it. Yeah, I just listened to your podcast with Bree, actually, um, ah! on my home today. So she covered a whole lot. Um, yeah, I suffer from bipolar disorder and um, it's... Uh, basically a cyclical depression um, that can be pretty major. Sort of in my last severe bout of it was actually shortly after I went vegan. Um, and it was one of the things that kind of derailed me. And it was interesting because I did actually have people who were commenting that maybe going vegan was causing my my depression, which, you know, is totally untrue. I think that maybe the whole ethical stance might have made me feel very sad right, for the things that I was learning, and that maybe didn't contribute to it very well. But, um, yeah, it is interesting because you have people who will say, you need to eat meat to not be depressed. It is very strange. I've heard that, too, and I'm like, explain that to me. It just doesn't even make sense. Like, even if I wasn't vegan, I don't think this would make sense to me, and they can't ever explain it. But I hear it all the time, yeah. too. And uh, I had one therapist who, upon learning I was vegan, um, I think it was because she said, well, what do you eat in the morning? Because in, in the, um, you know, recuperation from from having a particularly bad bout, food's very important. Um, a lot of people will either, when they, they kind of derail very badly, will either stop eating or just eat, meat, 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 right? So, so trying to not necessarily use food as a comfort, but in order to, um, not that any of these people would have eating disorders per se, it's that there are other issues causing them to not have a good relationship with food so that, you know, or maybe they're just, you know, 
sometimes when you feel sad, you're just not hungry, right? You, mm-hmm. so you just don't eat. So you got to start getting them to eat again. Or maybe they overcomforted with food. And so you have to bring them back to, okay, what, what's a normal relationship with food? And um, so we were talking about my, you know, my eating and my food. And, you know, I, I don't remember what I told her I had for breakfast because I don't remember what I was eating at the time for breakfast, probably toast or something like that. So that's, that's been a pretty good staple of mine. Oatmeal and toast is pretty much at some point in my life, you can say she's either eating oatmeal or toast for breakfast. <laughs> I think that's true for most of us. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, what protein do you have? And I was thinking, well, the, the toast has enough protein <laughs> for my breakfast because I'm going to get protein all day long and then I will meet, meet the amount of protein I need. And she's like, no, you need to start your day with protein. And I was like, but I'm having like super whole wheat, 20 million grain toast, like, you know, whole grain, everything, you know? And, and she's like, well, I, I always um, think it's best to have like a piece of salmon, just have a piece of, and it shouldn't call it it's lox, have a piece of lox, which is basically like uh, a smoked salmon or something. Yeah, it's really like a raw smoked like, salmon like, that they put on cream cheese and bagels, basically. It's a Jewish staple, actually. Okay, well, I, you know, I don't know anything about <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I know, it's weird that it was need recommended to, to you honestly I'm like why unless you're in New York City or you're Jewish I don't know why but okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she um yeah and I was like there's no way I'm not having that I think I'm good and it was just a little bit other than that like she and I had a very good relationship she was a very good therapist otherwise but I, you know it was the one thing where I kind of looked askance and was like I don't think you really know what you're talking about here you know, so, you know, I had sort of that to contribute because I didn't know hear that particular experience from other people that have talked about being vegan and, and suffering from any sort of diagnosed mental disorder where they were told something like that. Or, you know, being told that, well, if you're vegan, of course, you're depressed. Like, I don't know, maybe vegans do suffer from a higher level of depression just because they're very sad about the animals. But yeah, the hypersensitivity makes us more prone to depression or something. Yeah. And, you know, so it's very possible, but I don't think it's like correlated exactly like once you start eating meat. Like, I don't think that was going to make me feel any better. Right. Uh, Yeah. That's just going to make me feel sadder and probably make me have diarrhea. But, you know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of you know, recovered from that, recuperated from that. Um, but in the fall, this fall, um, in Seattle, it can be really tough because you get very short days and it's always dreary and stuff. So I do have a little bit, you know, the the, the seasonal issue um, combined. And I noticed that my, my mood was deteriorating and um, I was struggling more like in my various, in my various relationships and at work to, to do things. And I, you know, could tell I, you know, I had low energy. I didn't want to do anything. And, you know, so I, I did seek some, seek some medical help. And I got to the point where I said I was eating nuggets every, you know, I was having basically canned soup at lunch and vegan nuggets every dinner. Um, you know, it is clearly not healthy and wasn't helping anything. Uh, about the time by I need I need help here. Um, I'm not doing any self care. I uh, discovered the the meal plans, you know, the get meal plan. And I had heard of you. I'd heard of the Happy Herb Bar, you know, sh- 
ashamed to admit, but I don't have any of your cookbooks, and I hadn't read a lot of your stuff. I had read some of your stuff um, where you talked about not being vegan anymore and a few other posts, and I was like, oh, I really like that Happy Herbert. Oh, like, you know, I've got some good ideas, but I, I hadn't. But I haven't like read your like I don't have any of your cookbooks. Although now I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna get them That's for my mom. I love for that. Birthday. I hear that pretty often actually that people use meal mentor never had my cookbooks and I'm like, Oh, really? I never would have thought, but that's cool. Well, so I um so over the course of eating crap I gained a bunch of weight. <laughs> and I was like, I don't wanna um yeah, so so much for being be- vegan keeps you thin, right? And I was like, I don't want to have this weight anymore. What can I do? And so what can I do that's healthy? Because I tried a few. So here's the funny thing. I never, I was never a yo-yo dieter. My weight tends to be steady, whatever weight I end up sort of choosing to be at and monitoring. So um, in a way, I'm choosing to be heavier than I'd like to be by continuing to eat, right? I'm choosing that. Um, when I choose to weigh less, then it takes a lot of monitoring, but I'm choosing that. So I was like, I'm going to choose now to finally lose this weight. But over, you know, some of that going back and forth, I tried a few things that weren't healthy. I did like a vegan keto, which you eat like nuts the whole time. I had nuts and field roast sausage. That's what I ate the whole time. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah. I'd lose 15 pounds in five weeks and gain back 20 the following two, you know. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So not not very good. so I was like, I can't do this. So I Googled, how do vegans like actually lose weight? And got a whole bunch of hits that said, going vegan, you'll lose weight. <laughs> Clearly like, not my no. problem. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I've been vegan and I'm gaining weight. So that's not helpful. Um, and it said, you know, um, you know, basically watching your calories. And I, I know to do that. I had lost, um, when my kids were little, little, I'd lost about 16% of my body weight. And it totally was calorie counting and exercising, you know, adding exercise in. And, um, and just watching what I ate. And that's why I talked about by the time I went vegan, I was very careful at monitoring that stuff and being healthy in my food choices to the extent I could be. And, and I lost that when I, when I got so depressed. And so I, I was like, well, I can't, I'm not able to do that control anymore. I can't control that. It was like, okay, well, how would I do this? And then something else said, get a meal plan. Um, you know, and this is not a, your website initially. It was some other website said, you know, if you are having troubles, you know, doing your own thing, you need to like follow a meal plan. And I was looking at, well, what kind of meal plans are there? And um, so looking for like typing in vegan meal plans, your your website came up. And so that's how I found it actually was, oh, was through that process. And I, you know, I, like I said, I've, I've been seeking medical help and I think that's contributed, but I have come so far. And I think that the meal plans have really helped because first of all, I don't have the stress of having to figure out what to eat uh, because you've done that for me and you've put together my shopping list and it's so nicely organized that I know I can go to the produce aisle and buy these things and go to this other island buy those things. And, um, and I had a lot of this stuff, like your staple items. I already had those, I think, for new people who aren't used to having a lot of staple, like certain staples in their house that might be more generic, but uh, and more hard because they're going to have to spend a lot of money at first to get all the spices and all the flowers and whatever. But And I think that the eating healthy has really contributed to lifting my mood in the past few months because, it, it, you know, I think that has done a lot. And my husband has commented that I just seem to have more energy now and, and stuff like that. And I think that 
it's amazing. And one other thing that I found in the forums and listening to your podcast is a lot of people in in the meal mentor community really understand self-care. And it's something I had forgotten how to do. I learned all about self-care several years ago um, when I was was trying to recuperate from a very, very bad bout of depression. And and I use that. That's how I recuperated. And I, it's like over time, you kind of let those things slip away if you're not careful. And um, so it's been so nice because the community has given me so much more than just being able to eat properly again and eat healthy again. Getting to, like you were talking, there's meditation talk all the time. And I was like, I know how to do that. <laughs> so every night before I go to bed, I do my breathing. I used to do mm-hmm. that all the time. You know, and now I and I had to stop. So now I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna breathe before bed. You know, and I, I, I just can't quite get myself out of it. 15 minutes early to to meditate, I'll probably fall right back to sleep on the floor. But you'll get um, there. <laughs> <laughs> but so you know, I was like, oh, and you know, and it helps. And um, I was listening to another podcast on the train today, and uh, they were doing the meditation. I'm sure the person next to me thought I was nuts because I went ahead and did the deep breathing along with. Oh, it. I love it. <laughs> So, because I was like, you know, I, I'll do my meditation. Like there's, you don't have to limit it to like the one time before bed. Mm-hmm. And it's just really been helpful, helpful. And, you know, you have your, your goals that you set. There's the, what the monthly rules or the monthly goals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've tried to incorporate activity that I love back into my life that I've let go and that sort of thing. So I really think it's been really interesting to listen to your podcast where you discuss mental health. I can relate a lot to some of the things that have been said. I found a lot of your conversations on OCD very interesting. Um, I can relate a lot to a lot of them. A lot of my bipolar symptoms are very OCD-like, and they actually tested me for OCD, but, like, I didn't hit all the checkboxes or something. And so yeah. they didn't, they're like, you know what, you've got enough on your plate. For, <laughs> the bipolar and probably the OCD will be helped. Because it's a lot of them, the self-care is the same too, right? Oh, totally. Um, and I used to do yoga all the time, and I've not done yoga in a long time. So now I, I'm like, oh, I need to get back to yoga. Yeah, it's and I tell people, even if you only do one pose for like three breaths, it's, you know, you got to start somewhere, even if it is, like you said, on the train, I just, you know, get it in there and start get that practice. But I agree with so much you said, well, first, I, I'm so flattered. And I almost cried for a bit hearing how the meal plans helped you because as someone who struggles with mental health and everything, it's to hear that it's helping you in any way just makes me so happy. But I also agree so much with you about the whole self care thing. It's, just especially as women and especially if you're a mom I feel it's the first thing to go you just keep putting yourself last and bit by bit little by little the self-care falls away and in the members the forums people are reminding me all the time about self-care it's it's other members that brought me back to meditation too and I love that but I also, well, I got my first bout of depression. I was already vegan and people said the same thing to me like they did to you. Oh, it must be because you're vegan. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. And what I think now having kind of looked back is I do think that I was more hypersensitive. And so there was just so much weighing on my heart um, that made me sad to think about all the time. 
and all the suffering that I couldn't fix or change because again, I'm also, you know, I also have a perfectionist part of my OCD and if there's a problem I can't fix, that in and of itself depresses me and when it's a, you know, all these things are suffering and I can't do anything about it, I feel super helpless, that's even more depressing, so it's a nasty cycle. But also when I, I right. stopped, yeah, and when I stopped taking care of myself, I was like you, I was eating like you, your diet basically, all of these super processed products and I don't think we really need to like have a study to, to tell us that super processed food isn't going to make us feel the best mentally or physically. And then when you don't feel good physically, then your mental health declines more. So it was just this nasty whirlwind and I was stressed and I think it was a perfect storm, but it had nothing to do with the fact that I was vegan, though I do think that that actually ended up being my silver lining to help pull me out of those dark days. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I think, yeah. yeah, eating well, I mean, it's, it's been shown that, you know, eating well is going to help your mental health and, and, you know, eating whole food plant-based is really almost the best way to eat, you know? So, you know, it makes sense. It would improve your, your mental health. So, I and I, um, like I said, I enjoy cooking and I can use it as a bit of a mindful thing. So like when I chop, I'm like, look at the, the vegetable and kind of enjoy the vegetable and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I can make even the act of cooking kind of a meditation or a mindful moment. So it's funny you say that because it is for me. I, I get, I do like all of my chopping at once. I just do massive amounts of chopping and it is kind of meditated. Like I feel like it is a meditation for me because I'm just sitting there like chopping, chopping, chopping. And I like get in a rhythm in my mind. I guess it just kind of wanders in a way, but I, I think it's so good. It's just, it's like this rhythm. It's, I don't know. I love it. I don't always love it and I don't always want to start it. But once I start it, I always find I enjoy it, but I know for me, and it sounds yeah. like this was your experience too, is like I, when I would make something, I would feel good about it. Like, ooh, I did that. I accomplished it. So I'd feel good about myself. So that was a bump. And then it was a healthy thing. And so when I ate it, I was like, look, I ate, I made a healthy choice. And that was like another bump. And so it was the same sort of cycle just going up instead of down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the cycle goes both ways, right? So it's just a matter, sometimes a little harder to push up than to slide down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, things take work. Being healthy does take work. Having good self-care does take work. That's why it slips away when you're, you know, struggling so much. And because um, you just don't want to put the work in. You don't, you don't have it in you to put the work in, right? I don't want to say want because it's not really that. It's You just don't have it in you. Um, so, well, for me, I can't let my mind wander because I'll end up, cutting myself and I guess I'm like yeah, half but, um, there I'm like half a lot half into it half not because I mean I did have stitches last year because I got in a knife fight with the bell pepper and lost so I, I don't wish <gasps> that on anyone yeah on my anniversary it was awesome I like had stitches on my finger and I was like do you like do you love my Frankenfinger for better or worse, baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> that yeah. So that I mean that's kind of my story about um mental health for the most part. Um, you know, to, to talk about how being vegan has been intertwined with it and and you know how momentum has actually been very helpful for me in the past few months because I like I said I was really struggling kind of in the fall and into through the winter and stuff and 
So that I'm was so glad really it helped. Nice. I'm so glad it helped. Yeah. I, one of my little, your little rules and incentives, like appeal to my competitive personality <laughs> and my own need to like organize and make a goal and meet it. And I am an all or nothing person, as I think many of us are. I think you've said that before, too. Mm -hmm. So I need to make the goal and I have to keep with it. Right. So so that, that's been really helpful for me to keep improving and, and getting better, too, and, and reincorporating things that are healthy for me or, or getting rid of things out of my life that aren't healthy for me. You know, that's a good so, point, because that's what I um, like to tell people is sometimes it's not about adding more on, but just subtracting something. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to like to do positive, and I this goes way back. Like I, you know, there's the whole giving something up for Lent, and I never like to give anything up for Lent. And it wasn't because I didn't want to give something up, because I felt like that. Because then, like, it's supposed to be a sacrifice, and I never felt like giving something up that you got to have six weeks later was a sacrifice. But trying to add in something that was really hard to do that would make your life and other li people's lives better was was harder, or at least it was harder for me. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm kind of different that way. But so I'm always about trying to add things in. So even when you have a goal, like to get rid of something, I try, I try to be as positive as possible. Um, some of them is like, if you're just not going to drink alcohol, say, I mean, there's no way to be positive about not drinking alcohol. Um, other than somebody said, say something like, don't drink your calories. But then I'm like, but then I have to give up my coffee in the morning with my almond. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, you could be like, I'm giving up alcohol. Absolute, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving up alcohol. So I will always be the designated driver for my friends. There, look, positive. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's kind of, I, that's also really cool to, to have that with the program. Um, and I used to, like I said, I actually used to be really good like a decade, 15 years ago at like setting rules for myself and following them. But it kind of, you know, as with the kids and, and working and everything, you know, it slips away. So having like additional accountability and incentives has really helped too. Oh, um, accountability. Uh, there's always a fine line between accountability being shameful, which is a big no-no in, in dealing with mental health and especially depression, anxiety, and bipolar, because a lot of what drives you down is this feeling of shame. And you just said something about that, right? About mm -hmm. how, you know, you felt so shame, shameful about something. So you, it just kind of was a spiral. So you never want accountability to feel shameful. I, I don't ever feel like that um, in in the forums or on the Facebook page, but but it's so helpful to be like, all right, I have this. And everyone's supportive too. If you're like, I was going to do this and it didn't happen, they're like, that's okay. Pick yourself up. Start again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you have a few quotes that get quoted. Oh, stop frigging digging. Yeah, that's, back, that's so the big one right now. And that I say that to myself all the time. I actually have an alarm on my phone that just pops up at random that tells me to stop digging. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I'm like, but I'm not in a hole right now. But thank you for the reminder. <laughs> mm. yeah. For those who don't know, it's basically yeah, so when you slip I up, think... stop. <laughs> don't keep digging your hole. Yeah. Yeah. So those were kind of my my thoughts when I, you know, said I, you know, would like to talk a little bit about mental health and, and, and the, how it intertwines with being vegan. And then the, specifically the meal mentor community, because I think there's a whole lot to be said. And I think, you know, 
like I said, I, I come from this place. I don't think you have to come from any sort of mental health issue place to still be benefited by the talk about yoga and meditation and stop freaking digging, right? Right. <laughs> well, it has been so awesome having you on and I appreciate all of your honesty. And that's one thing I love about this community is everyone is honest. No one judges you for it because we have to speak about these topics. We have to talk about things like mental health. And I remember so many people were telling me, don't tell people you have OCD. Don't tell people you've depressed. I'm like, why? There's no shame. There's no shame in having it. There's no shame in getting help for it. And there certainly shouldn't be shame in talking about it so that it may help others. And so that's something that's very passionate. I always appreciate co-pilots who come on and so bravely share their experiences and their struggles because that's what makes us real. And that's what connects us to each other. And just, oh, I love the support in our community. And I'm glad you're feeling that love too. Yeah, yeah. So that's the fine thing in the praises right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again to Adrian for coming on. But I did want to ask real quick before we go for people such as yourself who, you know, they're motivated with their hearts, they have ethics and morals, but they live with spouses, children, roommates, grandparents, whomever that don't share those same feelings. What advice do you have for them? Or maybe what do you wish someone would have told you for how? to, you know, make it work and not, you know, hurt too much? You have to stick with your values and what you think is healthy and kind of do the best for you and see how much you can bring your family along for the ride. But you don't want to create so much tension in your household that, you know, your kids get really upset or your spouse gets very upset at you that, and then it becomes a whole big obstacle. So, you know, it's, um, I'm learning something new every day um, in, in terms of having to be the vegan in the house with the house of omnivores and trying to steer them to more healthy food. But I think every mother is trying to steer their family to more healthy food for the most part. So, you know, it's it's the same struggle for most people. It's just that I, I have a little bit of a differenti differentiation by being an ethical vegan. So, you know, doing taking them along for the ride as much as possible and winning them over with the good food that you can cook is helpful, you know. So that's really, I don't really have a lot of good advice. No, just, that was um, amazing. That was so helpful. I was like, oh, gosh, I wish I had known that too. <laughs> but I do also believe so much in leading by example or as someone else on a previous episode said, eating by example. I think that yeah. is really the secret sauce. Yeah. So thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was amazing having you. Uh, it, it was so fun. I could talk to you longer, but it's our, we've already had so much fun. And I'm sure it'll come out in editing, but we've had so many like hangups and calls back because the internet, the universe just wasn't ready for our love. But we made and it <laughs> and it was fun. Yeah. And you were an amazing sport through all the tech. But um, if you want to learn more about the meal plans, visit GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. A huge big thank you to my co-pilot tonight for coming on and being so honest. I love that about this community and all my co-pilots. If you've been enjoying this podcast in series, please leave a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends. I'll be taking a little bit of a hiatus for the rest of the summer, but this podcast will be back in September. If you need more stuff to listen to, check out Shortcut to Slim, my research-based podcast. Thanks again, and um, we'll see you next time.